morning, Bob, and as Bob said, I'm Joan Hogan, and I'd like to welcome all of you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I'm pleased that I have been blessed with two outstanding physicians to join me today. Of course, our Dr. Rick Holm is our Prairie Doc, and he's here with me, and he will answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. His background is uh, internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Along with Dr. Holm is Dr. Deb Johnston, who is not a stranger to to this program. Most of you know Deb as a family practice physician who also practices with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. I'm so pleased to have both of you here today. This should be a great show. I'm pleased to be here. There there it is. And in the room, but probably not wanting to answer any questions, is my brother-in-law, Bill Smith. Real name. Uh, and <laughs> he didn't make it up, right? <laughs> didn't make it up. Uh, uh, Joni's brother and he and his lovely wife are are uh, are halfway to Alaska. They are have a trailable uh, boat that is an ocean uh, worthy boat that is also a kind of a house, you know, a camper trailer kind of a deal. It's a it's a sea dory. And they are heading for um, what is the British Columbia port that you'll be at? Prince Rupert. So they're going to head up to Prince Rupert on the Alaskan Highway uh, and then put their boat in there and then go up the Inland Passageway all the way up to Juno, Skagway. Skagway or Juno. Watch out for those big cruise ships. Yes. (laughs) I'd be worried about having them. There's so many of them that take that inland. Yeah, it's such a beautiful beautiful passageway, and and of course, with uh, this is you know he's been living he and his wife have been living on this boat for six years. Uh, They don't own. They sold their house. You know, they have a little. uh, You know, they've concentrated everything down to fewer and fewer things. What do you really need, right? That's right. Yes. And so they're an organized group, boy, I can tell you that. You <laughs> hop on that boat, you can see there is a place for every little thing, and it's a joy to have him here. Thank you, Bill, for joining us. Well, it's good to have him, and it's good to have both of you here. And I know uh, for anyone who might be new to this program, we are here ready to answer questions you might call in. If you give us a call at 692-1430, we can certainly respond to any medical questions you might have. Uh, before we go to our first break, I would mention that Deb has a family practice, so she sees a lot of kids, and she's going to talk about measles when we get back. And we will be back right after these words. <laughs> Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here, ready to I'm not ready to answer your questions. Dr. Holm and Dr. Johnston are ready to answer your questions. Again, a reminder, 692-1430. Give us a call with questions, questions you might we have. Would. And Deb, you said we'd like to mention the measles, which I, have been in the news. The so measles tell us about it. has been in the news. And I think, honestly, that the measles vaccine, like so many of our vaccines, have been a victim of their own success because most people <laughs> just really ha- have no experience uh. with these diseases. And, you know, I was even thinking about myself, you know, at right of How past, many cases have you ever oh, seen? Oh, zero of measles. But even, even chicken pox. I've seen very little chicken pox. That was a... Uh, ubiquitous disease when I was a kid, oh, but yeah. when I started practicing, 
the vaccine came out and kids started getting the vaccine and we just don't and see chicken pox very much anymore. well and then there was a ton of pneumonia that went away when we started oh, doing yes. the pneumovax for yes. the little kitties well and and interestingly and i think very importantly not only did we see a decrease in the pneumonia and the ear infections and especially the meningitis, meningitis. for babies yes. when we started giving them that Prevnar. Yeah, that, the Prevnar, not Pneumovax. Pneumovax was for the adults. The but but when we started giving the babies the Prevnar, the adults stopped getting pneumonia so much too. And that I did see. Something like, I, I saw that too. Yeah. You know, you just saw less and less pneumonia because the little kids weren't giving it to weren't their giving grandparents. giving it to their grandparents. And I think that that just beautifully illustrates that concept of herd immunity. My getting my shots protects you. You getting your shots protects me. So we have an obligation to get our immunizations to protect our community because it's not just about us. It's about the people around us who may be more vulnerable. You know, I had chicken pox. I might have one scar. My sister, my brother, everybody I knew got chicken pox. And nobody I knew as a kid had any serious consequence with it. But it, but it happened. It happened. It happened to people. That's how South Dakota came to start giving the, the chicken pox shot routinely. You may remember this better than I do, Rick, but I remember when I was a resident just starting here in South Dakota, there was a young person who ended up with what we call transverse myelitis. So he, this individual, I can't remember if it was a male or a female, um, got chicken pox in their spinal cord and ended up paralyzed as a result of it. And at that point, I think it was Janklow at the time, decided, okay, this is going to be added to our list of, of kindergarten shots that all South Dakota kids have to have. So while most people that are probably listening to this remember having chicken pox, and for most of them it was no big deal. And measles. And measles. That's the exception. Yep. So I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I feel so terribly sad about the fact that there are now big-time measles outbreaks uh, occurring across our country, mostly in New York City, I guess. But and, and the West Coast, And too. large populations. Apparently, the Hmong population in Minnesota are very reluctant to take the vaccination because they're, they don't trust the, the physicians and the, this newfangled medicine stuff. And, and so we have, mm -hmm. a, we have a pool, you know. A, a, a lot of it comes down to the really debunked association between the vaccine and and autism um, which you know has been proven to not be true to the extent we can prove anything's not true right um, and the problem is that uh, when you get your vaccinations as a baby it's just about at the time that you know where autism is starting to become more more evident and more evident and yeah. so they go oh they'll tie the two together they tie them together and so somebody uh took this uh rumor and and made fake well, medicine uh, made a make wakefield uh, and one yeah. thing that's really important to recognize is that when he did this very poorly designed study which he fudged in the in addition to having a poorly designed study, he was actually in the process of developing and trying to market his own version 
of the a, vaccine, a vaccination. of the measles vaccine. So, <laughs> so it was a promotional he, deal. He, dirty, he, rotten pup. Dirty, rotten scoundrel. So <laughs> this is this is really, really a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. And we're discovering more and more as we start trying to figure out what actually does cause autism that it is something that happens uh, even before birth. Yes. So the vaccines are not playing a role in this. You know, it might well be that it's a viral infection of the mother that goes to the child before birth uh, that could have something to do with it. I'm not saying that. There's a genetic thing, too, and so on and so forth. It's a multifactorial. But wouldn't that be funny that it was a viral infection that induced a, a lot of autism that we could prevent with a vaccine. vaccine. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> that oh would my. be good. So, but we don't. That's not true. We don't know we this. We don't know that. that. Maybe, maybe in 50 <laughs> years they'll have that. But, uh, but right now that's pure speculation on yeah. Rick's part. Well, well, prob- sum- okay. Go ahead. To summarize, overall in Brookings, you don't have a big resistance to the vaccines, do you? There probably is some, but there's, very little. There's some, but compared to a lot of parts in the country, it's it's very, very little. And have yeah. we had any measles outbreaks at all in this state that we are Not aware of? Not that I'm to my aware. knowledge. Okay, it's good. In, it's, it's all in, positive. But it's, but it's in Iowa. It's oh, it in is. Minnesota. Um, oh. So, you know, it's, it's... It's close. It's close. And measles is incredibly contagious if you're not immune and you walk into a room that somebody was in an hour ago who had measles measles who was shedding the virus you have a very high chance of coming down with that but you know i had the measles it -hmm. was quite severe uh and and so did uh preston our 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 third son preston had measles yeah it's pretty young i mean normally they had the shots by then no maybe it was maybe it was carter well well anyway I, i think one of no, them had maybe, uh, maybe it was chickenpox. Joni's going to correct you on this. Okay, <laughs> maybe it was chickenpox. Joni's going to correct you on this <laughs> because chicken the pox. vaccine right. came out in the '60s. All right, so, so I'm I am sure corrected. that your wife got your. Okay, <laughs> I'm corrected. But here's what I'm saying. Here's my question. You're right because I'm not a pediatrician. I don't know. These things. Yes. Okay. But Stop my, talking <laughs> about things you don't know about. Right? But I'm asking you. This was it was lead into a question. Okay. Okay. Right. So, a lot of people who had I had measles. The people who had measles, you know, okay, now I'm resistant, you know. Uh, Anyone born before 57 is considered immune naturally. Yeah, right. My question to you is, so what's the big deal? What are the major potential complications of measles if you haven't had a vaccination? And it doesn't just do a typical, I'm sick for a while, and then you get back to wellness. Um, There's pneumonia. Uh, nervous system infections and a percentage of people can have kind of a post measles neurodegenerative process that can result in death a few years later so while most people you know anyone born before 57 today had measles measles for sure and survived it and probably does not have much for residual but that's because the others are in the cemetery so you know, it's not tremendously killing compared correct. to other things. It's I not could a throw bowl. in my correct. my incident with measles, and I was in sixth grade before I got them, and it was pure hell to be home and not be able to go out, and I was so mad. And you were not supposed to look at the sunlight at all. And I kept watching the kids walking to school. I did not want to miss school, 
I was sixth, sixth yeah. grade, and I knew better. I didn't want to be home. <laughs> I didn't want to go to miss And school. I had 20-20 vision, as everyone in my family did, until then. And then you lost your 20-20 I lost 20 my 20-20 vision. So my eyesight went down, so it had to be caused by the measles. And, I mean, you might have been brilliant had you not had I know. I know. Think of <laughs> what I could have done with my 2020 <laughs> vision. Yeah. So, overall, measles are a problem. I wish I had never looked out the window while oh. I had <laughs> But I did. So, there are complications for there measles, major complications. There are complications for yeah. measles. So, but let's switch the topic to uh, the up-and-coming topic for the show. Joe. We would do that, but we'll take a break first. Oh. Okay. So, we okay. will switch to a brand-new topic. Welcome back to Prairie Dac Radio. You, were you asked the question about German measles and yes. regular measles, a difference in the two, right? Yep. So German measles are a, a more uh, dangerous uh, measles specifically for the, the unborn child of a woman who acquires the illness. And During they can pregnancy. Get, they get uh, severe congenital abnormalities, particularly congenital heart disease. And, and a high rate of miscarriage and, you know, just all kinds of nasty things. So that particular vaccine is, is most important to protect those unborn babies. Right, Absolutely. protecting the unborn babies and the congenital uh, dangers there. Yep. What you were going to say, Joan. Oh, well, I was um, carrying my second child, pregnant with my second child, Edward, when uh, I, I can't recall if I contracted or I was exposed to German measles. So I went in to see my uh, OBGYN, and he had some shot, I don't know what it was, that was supposed to help prevent any problems. And we thought the kid was pretty normal, but his four sisters and brothers know better. <laughs> <laughs> they were sure it affected yeah. him. <laughs> Fortunately, Eddie doesn't listen to this show, so oh, we're yeah. safe. <laughs> hey, that's it. Enough well, I'm on send measles. Him a I'm oh, send don't him a you dare. He's <laughs> 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 just a little odd, but we all love him. <laughs> so um, so this week, Dr. Holm, your, your, your program tomorrow night, South Dakota Public Television, on call with the Prairie Docs, 7 o'clock at night, tomorrow night, is going to be talking about addictions. And this week, in your newspaper column, Prairie Doc Perspectives, you discussed addictions and you used your thumb sucking as a kid yeah. to describe addictions. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting way to a- approach oh, addictions. Oh, man, I tell you what, I was... You loved your thumb. I was four, <laughs> and I had this uh, nice little baby blanket that had the, uh, the silk... Oh, liner yeah. on the outside and I'd run the silk liner through the inside of my hand and my thumb was in my mouth and I had this I was addicted you had yeah. a self-soothing behavior yes it was self-soothing and it, it it satisfied all sorts of needs whatever they may have been uh until my folks uh, said you know <clears throat> this is uh, not a good thing. And You're too old for this. Your <laughs> mo- your grandmother in uh, Minneapolis wants you to come and visit with your older sister, and she would love to have you, but she won't have you if you're going to bring your blanket. Oh, cruel. You've got to quit <laughs> sucking your thumb, and, uh, you know, it, suddenly the blanket disappeared. <laughs> and I said to my mother, where did the blanket go? We burned it. <laughs> oh, this is tough luck. I don't think they burned it, but they, I think they, they, but they threw it away. I think they just threw it away. So the long and the short of that is that I, I had to quit, and it was hard. There was a monkey on my back, but <laughs> I got over it. 
Well, it's a less severe monkey than many people are dealing with today. With the addictions today are overwhelming, aren't they? They are, and uh, the biggest addiction is a danger to being smothered to death with narcotic uh, excess. Could you explain that? Because you keep reading. Those of us without a medical background don't understand why you smothered to death taking opioids. Could you explain that? Well, you... you talk about so it, Dan. I would be happy to talk about it. So one of the side effects of narcotics, of opioids, is that it suppresses the respiratory drive. So people have a less and less... Um, desire desi- to be. Well, it, and it's not even on a, a desire basis. It's on the basis of the physiology. So the brain just breathes less and less if you overdose. So you can stop breathing from your opioids and die. Yep. I, 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 wow. I, I, I feel like it's akin to somebody taking a pillow and pushing it over your face and, and killing you. It, 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 it's definitely poisoning. It, it, effectively, it does, it does the same thing. I mean, unlike that situation, the person is not aware of what's going on, but they still end up dead or damaged. Well, yeah, and or damaged. There it is. Br- yeah. Brain anoxia. Exactly. So, so it is a it is a very dangerous drug for primarily for that reason. So it's interesting. It stops you from breathing. I, I think I look at the numbers. You know, thirty five thousand car uh, deaths from automobile crashes 35,000 deaths from alcoholism 70,000 deaths per year in this country from opioid overdose four-fifths of which all began from prescriptions from the doctor's handwriting Uh, and uh, we you know now in South Dakota I think in particular we have uh, communicated to most of the doctors, we're watching, we're looking at your prescriptions, and what's more, realize what you're doing, give smaller numbers, try another, other alternatives. And I think the doctors in this state have responded uh, very well. Uh, and so there's been uh, improvement in South Dakota. The, the messaging has, has changed, and the, the messages that, that we are getting as physicians have changed, and they are... Having, you know, there was a while um, earlier in my career where there was this huge push about getting everybody's taking away pain. And that is certainly a very important thing. But when it becomes the primary goal and when, um, it's dangerous, when you're told that you are doing a very bad thing if you're not being as aggressive as you can with somebody's pain, I think it leads us down that slippery slope to those opioid um, overuse. Well, and then so we start prescribing more and more of it, and people get hooked, and then they come begging for it or wanting more of it or pl- pushing for it or and so and, we, and where we want to comply to people's needs and wants yep and and we're just you know, too ready to do it, too ready to hand it out. It's yep. In some ways, it's similar to antibiotics, you know, when there's that demand and you want to be a, a good guy and give people what they want. Yeah. And even if it's not good for them. Um, it's, it's a whole lot easier to write that prescription for the antibiotic or for the narcotic 
than it is to sit there and take the abuse that they will throw at you or the anger that they will be or or feel guilty about yeah. not responding to their needs. Or to take the time to explain why it's not a good idea. And a lot of times there's a lot of resistance to that explanation. You know, it's interesting that, that uh, some people have described the, a bad doctor is one who can't say no. That's a bad doctor. A bad doctor says, sure, whatever you want, patient, whatever you want. That's not a good doctor. Uh, and uh, a and good yet, doctor needs to be able to say no. And yet the sometimes that's often the message that we get as physicians is that saying no and making people unhappy is what makes you a bad doctor. Right. Uh, so it's it's a complex situation. Yes, it it's really a very yeah. complex <laughs> situation. And one of the challenges is that our options for pain management have been really rather limited. Um, and we get a lot of pushback from insurance on covering some of those options. Insurance covers the pain medicines. They cover the opioids. But they don't cover the physical therapy very well. They don't cover the e-stim very well. They don't cover a lot of other things Rehab very well. Sometimes. Rehab, pain management PT. programs. They just they don't cover those things. And when you look at someone without insurance, those things are more expensive options. Yeah. And they take time. And they take time. So let me ask you this. So there's been a lot in the literature that talks about uh, cannabinoids uh, mm -hmm. as appropriate therapies for chronic pain, uh, particularly CBD. Uh, and uh, I think that the data is starting to roll in that it's significant. Uh, that's a non-addictive, uh, certainly less dangerous than alcohol even, uh, uh, and, and uh, not one of the drugs that uh, suppresses your respiratory tract and has been helpful in childhood seizure disorder, nausea, uh, appetite, uh, you know, so on and so forth. What, I, what think, about I think one of the challenges is that until very recently, because marijuana was on the, uh, was a Schedule One drug, um, there was just no research into it. There was no ability to actually investigate the properties. And one marijuana plant is not interchangeable with another. There's a lot of other factors in, in that plant. So you can't necessarily just say, well, I'm going to study marijuana because that's a heterogeneous situation. It's like petunias. There's a lot of colors. There's a lot of colors to petunias, <laughs> but it would be more akin to saying, I'm going to study flowers yeah. um, because there's just so many different strains. And I think that there's a lot of promise and it's very exciting. Um, but I think that exactly which strains and which components are good for what is something that we're just starting to investigate right. and just starting to learn. And I, I, I hesitate to endorse it wholeheartedly as a therapy until we have some more information. I expect before the end of my career I will be. Right. Um, but I, right now I think there's, there's just a lot that's, that's unknown. I certainly have patients who use CBD oil huh. um, and seem to get benefit from it. And... Um, that, my great. problem with it is the danger it has 
to youth. Uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, kids need to have uh, not be softened of the pain and the angst and the problems of youth. To you need to need they, to have those hard knocks to grow to learn. And and they need to learn those coping skills for the stresses later in life. But furthermore, particularly when we come to the the traditional marijuana use, smoking marijuana, bongs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there's really overwhelming evidence that those developing brains are permanently damaged by by those chemicals, right. much higher risk of schizophrenia later on in life, just just all kinds of things. So people with developing brains really need to avoid it. Yep. Okay. Very interesting discussion. We are due to take our next break. We had a caller with a question, and we'll get to her question right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Uh, if you came in the middle of the program, we have two physicians with us today, Dr. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, as well as Dr. Deb Johnston, who is a family practice physician, and both of them have practiced at the, at the uh, Avira Medical Group Brookings. And I would add that she is one of the five physicians who are my redundancy group, my, my hero group. <laughs> We're his group, backup my He backup calls them his heroes for a good reason. And Deb takes every Wednesday morning off of her schedule. Well, once a month. Everyone. Once, once a, a month. month. And that's why she said, you know, I've got the time. Why don't I come in today? So We said, these, are you kidding? You're on. Yeah, of course. <laughs> We'd love to have you. Say, so, this call I've called in with a question and something that's been in the news lately, and it has to do with dairy and eating dairy in the study that this person referring to said people who eat two servings of whole fat dairy a day had a lower chance at stroke and heart disease than maybe people who eat uh, the low-fat dairy. So what do you think of that? A lot of people have done low-fat to avoid the calories, but now they're saying the whole fat might help you have a less chance of stroke or heart disease. Uh, Whenever you read things like that, you've got... To see the data, I want it. Show me the data, and um, <clears throat> I have heard this. I've heard a lot of these other things that sometimes suggest that oh, it's butter is better for you than than the the uh, oleo. margarine and oleo and so on and so forth. And you find out it's true, and I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if what this person is saying is true. I wouldn't be surprised, but I do know that the solid. No question about it, data out there shows that people who eat less calories do better. Now, I'm, I'm not saying heavy or, th- or thin. I'm just saying less calories. And so uh, my response would be, uh, I, it'd be interesting because you know the whole fat is more caloric. What do you think, Deb? I think that one thing we need to be cautious about is when you look at a single study you're only getting one still frame out of the movie. And it's important to realize that a lot of these studies are part of an ongoing conversation between the research teams. And it's really easy to to look at that one frame, to hear that one comment, and miss the whole drift of the conversation. Yeah. So you have to you have to interpret those things with caution. Um, Generally, you know, I, I do think we need to be a little careful about our fat and where our fat comes from. And um, But I think milk's a good source of fat yeah. if you're going to be eating it, drinking it. it. 
So watch your calories, and you can have the whole fat milk, but then reduce your calories somewhere else, right? Get rid of the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> sugar, sugar, sugar. A lot of, Get lot rid of the processed food. They say the carbohydrates in the processed food. Not enough fruits and vegetables. And what a time for vegetables yes. right now. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, oh. They're fresh. Eat more garden. vegetables. Eat more vegetables. Our garden was planted thanks to Bill's help last night. Oh, yes. fabulous. <laughs> thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Bill and <laughs> Becky, thank you, thank I, you. I usually get a little bit of the byproduct there, so oh. I appreciate that <laughs> very much. Well, we have enjoyed this program. So glad you came with us today, Deb. And we hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Please follow Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you, Rick, and thank you, Deb. Thanks, Joan. Thank you, Deb and Joan and Bob and Bill and Becky, and stay healthy (laughs) out there, people.